Well, we're excited that you're here today. We are, our plan is today to finish up our, our time of worship with sharing the, uh, sharing the Lord's Supper together, which is why the table has been set. And so I want you to be uh, prepared for that. Just to let you know, if you belong to Jesus, you belong at the table, okay? So there's no membership requirement here at the Calling Community Church that, require, that would, you'd have to f- somehow fulfill in order for you to come forward today. If you, um, if you feel like, you know, I just don't know if I'm ready for that or whatever, that's all right too. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation here. But we do invite you to, this morning, to be prepared as we uh, get ready to share this together. I thought it was important for us to share this together today as a family as we prepare for next week, as we anticipate, as we anticipate guests coming to, the, to our church uh, to, to, to hopefully experience, uh, obviously, God's love and His mercy and His grace, and also to meet us and be a part of our church. And so we just wanted to share this meal together. Plus, I think it goes along perfectly with this thought of we're celebrating Palm Sunday, and during this, from today, during all throughout the week, we will be uh, just celebrating the anticipation of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. And one of the things that they were preparing to do was to share the Passover meal and to have a meal together. So we want to share that meal today. So just be prepared for that. And if you have, a, like, like Jacob was saying, an offering to give or uh, any of those informational cards we ask you to fill out, you can place those in the basket. Um, as you come forward. Whoa, did this thing shrink as I walked away? My Bible's got a heavy, heavy Bible. All right, so in the, um, just, just to start out with something uh, lighthearted, I, I just thought this was kind of funny. I was looking for, I just Googled something funny for Palm Sunday, something funny. And so one Palm Sunday, little Joey Seems to be uh, kind of a common thing going on. There's a lot of sick sickness, a lot of things going on with families. And this little boy was sick, but his parents uh, wanted to make sure that uh, that they got the church. So they hired someone to come and take care of Joey while they were while they went to church. And it was happened to be Palm Sunday when they decided to this had to happen. So when they got to church, they celebrated. And uh, when the family came home, they came home carrying these palm branches. And Joey asked, well, what are those for? Well, his father told him about how in the story where uh, in the book of John, it talks about they laid the, the palm branches at the feet and in other, other renderings you might see where they are holding the palm branches above Jesus' head as he came through or came into the city. And so Joey was like, wouldn't you know it? The one Sunday that I miss, Jesus shows up at church. Ba-dum-bum. There we go. Well, isn't it our goal, isn't it our desire for Jesus and his, his presence to be here, right? I mean, don't you want Jesus to be here, present with us, more than anything else or anyone else? I mean, I mean, as a pastor, when you come, I'm excited, like I'll hang out in the hallway. Some people think I'm just looking for the latecomers, chastise them as they're walking in. No, I just want to see who's here. I love to see your face. I love to see you. I love to see early in the morning when people gather here about nine o'clock and they start just getting busy and putting all the stuff out and being, getting prepared for the rest of the guests to come. And then I love watching the last few people come in and sit down. But I want Jesus to be here more than anything else. And I'll be honest, sometimes I forget to pray that. 
Sometimes I get hung up on, well, oh, so it didn't come this week, and oh, I wonder where they were at, or so-and-so came, I was so excited to see them. But we want Jesus to be here. So we're going to talk about Palm Sunday. Now, Palm Sunday is the day that we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem one week before his crucifixion and resurrection. Palm Sunday marked the start of what is often called the Passion Week, the seven ministry, um, his earthly ministry. It was what they would call the beginning of the end. And so I want to frame it today like this. I'm going to frame it in this idea of looking at yesterday, okay, not Saturday, but just looking at what happened before yesterday, today, what's going on presently in our life, and then thinking a little bit about tomorrow, like what is to come, okay? So yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 21, Matthew 21. And so we'll look at the, the uh, triumphal entry story through the lens of Matthew. Now, it's, this story is in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's told pretty, uh, pretty similarly, similarly in Matthew, Mark. Luke's a little different. John, John, he's just always been a little bit different. And it's, it's completely, um, I mean, there's some similar things there, but it's just a little bit different. So, but we're going to look at Matthew so let's, uh, so let's read this. Matthew 21. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olive, Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Okay, Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will... Um, he will send them right away. So this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, who was actually Zechariah. You saw in uh, Zechariah chapter 9, this, this was actually spoken about. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. 450 took place. They prophesied about it. And it's important to realize that none of this was happening by circumstance. It was just, oh, it just happened to be that Jesus was riding into Jerusalem that day. No, there was a purpose and a plan. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road, the crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted these words, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That comes from Psalm 118. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of all those selling doves. And it is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. 
Do you hear what these children are saying, they ask him? Yes, Jesus replied. Have you ever read, or have you never read these words from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. It was indeed a time of rejoicing as Jerusalem welcomed their king. Unfortunately, as a celebration didn't last very long, the reasons why is because the people had this expectation or anticipation that Jesus was going to come a little bit differently than he came. Instead of on a donkey, he was going to come with a little bit more, something a little more powerful, you know, something a little bit more emphasis, something a king would ride in to the city on. But the prophecy that they spoke about Jesus coming was so specific, and it was down to the very day that the prophet Daniel spoke about in the book of, of Daniel chapter 9. Now, I don't have enough time to, to unpack this. I'm still unpacking it in my own mind. But there is a word in the book of Daniel in the ninth chapter where, where it this basically goes like this. Daniel was praying, and while he was praying, the angel Gabriel appeared to him, came swiftly in, it says, and spoke to Daniel. Now, I don't know about you, but I pray for that kind of prayer time. Like, wouldn't that be awesome if an angel of the Lord came to you in person and spoke to you? That would be, because be, there's a lot of questions, right, that we would want to have answered, and we would, we would think that would be awesome if somehow, some way. But the, the reason why Gabriel came to Daniel is because what he had to tell him was so specific and so important that when Daniel spoke about it, when he wrote about it, it leads us up to Palm Sunday. Literally to the day. In Daniel it says, there's a, um, there's a title in the, in the book that says uh, the 770s. And it, it maybe in some translations of the Bible it says seven weeks, but it's literally speaking about seven years, seven-year periods of time. And when it says there'll be seven sevens and there'll be 62 sevens, and in total, that's 69 sevens, okay? Now, just try to follow me here on this. So basically, it's like this. It's 69 periods of seven years. So 69 times seven, okay? And it started when there was a, when there was a, um, a uh, trying to think of what the word was, when they declared that they were going to rebuild the temple in the book of Nehemiah. They said, we're going to, it's time to restore, rebuild the temple. And that was the beginning of the first set of sevens. That was 49 years, and that's how long it took to rebuild the temple. Okay, so the temple was rebuilt, and then following that is 62 sevens. So 62 times seven years. And the, here's the crazy thing. That number led up to Jesus coming into Jerusalem. It led up to this day. And the angel spoke to Daniel about it back then. It was a, uh, it was a powerful, powerful word. So this is what it says. I'll just read it to you real quick. It's in uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse uh, 24. Well, I'll start at verse 23. As soon as you began to pray... An answer was given, which I have come to tell you, you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the message and understand this vision. 
Seventy sevens are declared for your people in your holy city to finish, to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up, seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Jesus is the most holy he's speaking of. No one understand this. From the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the sixty-two sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. He was speaking of Jesus' crucifixion. Now here's the crazy thing. He he accounts for, in this particular vision, he accounts for sixty-nine of the seventy-sevens. And some scholars believe and teach today that we are living in a, a period of a, um, of a pause, if you will, between the 69th and the 70th seven. Like we're in this, this period of time where uh, God is allowing time to play out with, by His purpose until the last seven will come into play. And some believe that will be the millennial period, the seven years of great tribulation. Some people believe and teach that we will be raptured out of that. We won't be here during the Great Tribulation. I heard one, one preacher say, more, more than one preacher actually say this, pray for pre, but prepare for post. Pray that you don't have to be here during that great time of tribulation, but prepare as if you will have to be. And some of you are thinking, man, we have to be getting close because the world is a mess. My own personal world sometimes can be kind of a mess. And it's like, when, when is that time going to happen? Are we living in that time right now? Uh, based on what Scripture says, I don't think so, because it gets pretty ugly, a lot worse than we can possibly imagine. So there's this period of time that we're in the waiting, we're in this pause, and we're doing life. And so here we are, looking back at yesterday, looking back at when this was prophesied about, when it actually came to be true. The crowds are shouting, they're praising, they're looking for this Messiah to come and rescue them. But they're looking for a Messiah to come and rescue them politically or maybe free them nationally. But Jesus had come to save them spiritually. Mankind's primary need, this is what you've got to wrap your mind around this. Mankind's primary need was spiritual salvation, not political, not cultural, or national. Man's primary need was spiritual salvation. Is that true? You think it was true back then? Well, you know it's true for the day too. With all of the sickness and, to de- and the disease and broken relationships and financial struggles and civil unrest that we live amongst today, now we're in today, we desperately need Jesus to ride into our city. <laughs> and we desperately need Jesus to ride into our lives. So from this scripture that I read you in Matthew, I want to I point out, a few things I think we can learn from this passage of Scripture. For one, we need to recognize Jesus as King, as the King, and allow Him to have His rightful place on the throne of our hearts. When they saw Him coming, their King riding on a donkey, did they recognize Him? Did they really see Him for who He was back then? The question is, is do we recognize Him? Do we see Him? Do we welcome Him as King in our hearts. You know, there's a battle for the throne in your life. There's a battle for your heart. And it wait, it's, a way, it's a war that's what rages on daily. 
Like the two disciples that went ahead to get the coal, I thought this was interesting. Um, the two disciples that went ahead, like Jesus told them to, he says, he tells them in uh, Matthew 21, it says, the disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. So I think about this. I think we need to walk in simple trust and simple obedience. We make it a lot more complicated than it has to be. It's just simple trust and simple obedience. And they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. And in one of the renderings of the story, it says the people asked him, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing with that colt? Like, that's obvious, right? You think they're going to ask that question? You're just not going to go out to the park, you know, to a car dealership. Hey, I'm going to take this car. The Lord told me I needed it. He'll bring it back. Sure, go ahead. Here's the keys. <laughs> yeah, that happens every day, right? But, but Jesus already knew it was going to happen. He already put it into place all to the, down to the smallest detail. Three, the third thing we can learn from this. We are to worship Him. We are made to worship Him. Not rocks. Jesus said if, they, if they're quiet, the rocks will cry out. We are created to worship. This is what it says in Psalm 118. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. We gather on Sunday morning to bless him. The Lord is God, and he has made, made his light shine on us. All right, so now we're going to make it a little bit personal, all right? I want you guys to participate with me in this. All right, so I'm going to say a phrase. I just want you to, okay? Repeat it like you mean it. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. We're to worship Him. The next thing is His house is to be called a house of prayer. You see, later on in the story, Jesus goes and He cleans out the temple. And it wasn't unusual for those things to be made available to people who had traveled a long distance to come and celebrate the Passover, I think it was the fact that the, where they were doing it and why they were doing it, their motivation, their motivation to sell those things was to make a profit, to gain, to gain from somebody else. And that's, Jesus said, that's not what it's all about. That's not why we're here. He said, my house is to be called a house of prayer. So we need to pray. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, the Apostle Paul said, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. I want to share with you a prayer that comes from the, uh, the prayer book that we've been, we've been doing, the 40 Days of Prayer for the City. And I thought this was pretty significant because this was the prayer for today. So pray with me. You don't have to repeat this. Just think about it in your heart. <laughs> Lord Jesus, be welcome in our city in the same way you were received on that first Palm Sunday. Many people had tasted the sweet freedom of the gospel of your kingdom. They had seen your humble might in overcoming evil powers. They raised their voices, exclaiming you as altogether unique. They loved the idea of you as their Lord. Lord, would you do such great things, wondrous things in our city today. Act in answer to prayer in your name. Heal, restore, and reconcile. May people, or make people different in ways that defy simple explanations. Move in ways that are 
open and public that cannot be dismissed. Bring about a groundswell of open praise and may the peace of your kingdom in our city be as great as your glory in heaven. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Make people different in ways that defy simple explanations. I have been in ministry in Platte City since 1995. And you're like, big deal, right? It's really not that big of a deal. Because I've realized that me and my own strength, I cannot do enough to make a difference and change people's lives. I can't. No matter how hard I try, no no matter how much I love or how much I give, I am not enough. But Jesus is enough. And that sounds so cliche-ish, but ladies and gentlemen, that's all I hang my hat on is right there. Jesus is enough. And I long to see Him move in such a way that people are more excited about Him. There's madness over Jesus than there is over basketball in March. People are just crazy for Him. Look how the whole city is being stirred. And that can happen again. That could happen today. But even as the coatless multitudes waved the palm branches and shouted for joy, they missed the true reason for Jesus' presence. They could neither see nor understand the cross. See, this was on a Sunday, but they didn't see Friday. Now, next week, we'll gather on a Sunday, and we can already look back at Friday. But they couldn't see it coming. And that's why as Jesus approached, in Luke's rendering of this story, as Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, it said he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. If you just had any idea what I want to do for you and in you and through you, But it says they missed it. And ladies and gentlemen, today, on this modern day, Palm Sunday, let us not miss why Jesus rode into town. We are blessed to be on the other side of the cross. We know how the story goes. Let us not miss it today. Let us us not miss it this week as we celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Remember, mankind's primary need is still spiritual salvation. Not political. There is no candidate that's going to make that kind of a difference. (laughs) It's just not going to happen. None of them that we can see for sure. Nobody. I'll stand here and endorse Jesus, but I'm not endorsing anyone else. Not political, cultural, or national. Our primary need today is is still spiritual salvation. Let us remember the cross today by sharing the Lord's Supper together. We're going to um, to finish up a little bit early because I have something to do at the end of the service. But here's what I want to do today. Jesus told His disciples that we are to remember Him through this bread and this juice until he comes again 
Because we talked about yesterday, we talked about today, but you know what? There is a tomorrow, and there is a day when Jesus is coming. And so I want, to, um, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. just want to prepare. It's kind of like, let's get our hands washed and clean, ready for, to eat. I want to share with you this morning this basic gospel message and this thought of this fact that Jesus, the reason why Jesus came to Jerusalem that day, the reason why he went to the cross, obviously is because of love, because of he, he loved us, he loved you, he loved me. And I want you to know this morning that God created you to be with him. That's the purpose. By him, for him. But your sin and my sin, our sin, separated us from God in the beginning. There was a curse on mankind. Because of free will, man made a choice. And uh, we would have all made that same choice. We've all made that same choice because the Bible says we've all sinned. We all fall short of God's glory. And sin couldn't be removed by good deeds. We couldn't do enough good things to make it go away. How many times in our life we've messed up and we say, you know what, I'm so sorry, I'm not going to do it again. I'll just be a good person from now on. I'll, be a, I'll do enough good things to overcome that one bad thing. But sin cannot be removed by good deeds. The only way sin could be removed is by Jesus paying the price for you and I. So Jesus came, he paid the price, he died and he rose again. And this Bible says that everyone who trusts in the name of Jesus not in the name of Brady, not in the name of the Calling Community Church, not in the name of just being a good enough person, but in the name of Jesus, the only name that's ever been given by which a man might be saved. When we trust in Jesus, it says we can have eternal life. And life that is eternal starts the moment that you put your faith and trust in Him, and it lasts forever. And that is this incredible gift of eternity that God presents to us. And so we remember today what Jesus has done so those who are going to serve communion, have them go ahead and come on forward. And so if you've never put your hope and trust in Jesus, now's a great time to do that. Just cry out to him. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in the death, your death, and I believe in your resurrection. Would you save me today? So you're going to be released row by row, and you're going to get up, and you're going to go to your right come down to the end of the hall and then you're going to come through here take a piece of bread take a, a cup of juice and then hold on to it until we all have it and we're ready to uh, share it together so go ahead and